0: All right, hey, uh, let's dive right in. Are you ready to study the scriptures this morning? Good. Um, I'm so excited about this idea because I have such a great passion for parents and kids and their families and seeing them love Jesus wholeheartedly and run headlong into his purposes for them in their generation. So let's get right to it. Uh, I want to start out by telling you just a little bit about my son and my little family. Ross mentioned my kids. And uh, as you know, I, I am a parent. I've got three little kids. I don't have teenagers yet. I've just spent a lot of time with a lot of teenagers. And uh, I've, got, I've got three kids. Aurora is seven now. Uh, Ewan, he's six. And uh, Reese, she is our four-year-old. And um, they are such a great joy. They are incredible little people. My girls are the most wonderful gifts God has ever given me, besides my wife. And, of course, my salvation. But I love those little faces. I love those little girls. Uh, Ewan, I love too, just in a different way. Ewan is my challenge. Ewan right now is the boy that we're working on the most. The other day we had parent teacher conferences and I I went uh, to those conferences and every teacher that we went to from that was involved with Ewan, they would say oh Ewan is such a great little man. He obeys all the rules. He does everything right. He, he follows the line. He's a great line leader. He's quiet in the classroom. He listens. He does everything just perfectly. And I sat across the little tiny table in the little tiny chair and went, My Ewan? And over and over and over again, we heard the story. And so later on, we were at home, and we were dealing with some kind of disciplinary thing with Ewan. And, and I said, Ewan, hey, listen, buddy, tell me this. You know, I just talked to all your teachers, and they all said, uh, hey, you know, Ewan is such a good boy, and he obeys all the rules. And, and, and I was wondering, and he stopped me, and he said, Dad, 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 I know what you're going to say. And I said, really? He's very intellectual, this boy. He said, Dad, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, why do you follow all the rules at school, but when you come home, you don't like to follow any of the rules. And I I laughed, I kind of giggled and I said, yeah, but it's exactly what I was gonna ask you. So why is it that you think you do that? And he looked at me and he said, dad, I have no idea. (laughs) And I I look back at him and I thought, you know any disciplinary action now was just over because now i 'm pretty much rolling on the floor, and secretly now I realize that the boy probably played me, but whatever well <laughs> hopefully hopefully i 'll win next time. Uh, you know <laughs> parenting though, it is a challenge, isn 't it? How many of you have kids? It is so challenging for us, regardless of the ages. Uh, Well, listen, I'm going to talk a lot to your parents, all right? So don't get mad at me. Don't be offended by anything that I have to say to them. I'll address you maybe a couple times through here. We can talk later, but this is mostly for them. Some of the stuff you may not perfectly enjoy, but just, you know, hang tight. All right, so... Um, it is really challenging for all of us, and the Bible doesn't necessarily have a lot to say specifically about parenting. There are there are passages that we can read, and certainly principles all through Scripture that we can take out and apply, right? But uh, overall, it might be that we read more about bad parenting than good. I mean, if you just take right away, if you take like the first parents, Adam and Eve, well... Adam and Eve what was one of the results that we read at re, re, read right away. We see that they made some choices that brought sin to the world, and one of their sons killed the other son. Not great, not a great beginning. Look at David, David King David. We all know him as a man after God's own heart, but King David, he uh, had an affair and then essentially had that guy, her husband murdered, and then had a son who started a massive rebellion to take over. Okay, that also is not good. I mean, you thought you were doing a poor job. You look through scriptures and you see these people. Now, I look through those same scriptures and I think, hmm, that seems a little bit dark and depressing, but overall, maybe I feel a little bit more encouraged. I was reading a book called Think Orange, and it's, uh, really, it's written by a guy named Reggie Joyner. He's a great thinker about how to get the church and family involved in discipling children. And it says, it says this in his book. He said, both the church and the home are comprised of broken, imperfect people through whom God has chosen to tell his story. Both the church and the home are comprised of broken and imperfect people through whom God has chosen to tell his story. You realize what this means. It means there is great hope for all of us as we learn to disciple our kids. And it is challenging, it remains challenging. Are any of you familiar with Bat Dad? Have any of you seen Bat Dad? Bad Dad is a guy who is figuring out how to parent his kids. And as he was doing so, he came up with this scheme, and he started to film himself. And so he was doing Vines, if any of you on social media know a little six minute clip, and he put together this compilation. He's on YouTube, he's got over nine million hits, People watching this guy, he's been on the Today Show because he's trying to figure out how to take care of his kids. And he does it in kind of a peculiar way. And I thought it might be fun and maybe give you some ideas for us to watch together. So check out Bat Dad. If I was his wife, Jen, I, I don't think I would enjoy that so much. If I was his kids, I might think it was pretty cool to be at home. For Yeah, <laughs> Maybe after the third time, not so much. Uh, so maybe that's not the best strategy for us. Maybe we should look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1 and start there today. This, of course, leads us to a passage that is known as the Shema, and here's what it says. Deuteronomy 6, 1, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These are the things that we're supposed to do with our kids, to teach them how to obey everything Jesus has commanded us, to show them how to love the Lord our God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so it's because of this that I think that our kids are our first disciples. Our kids in our homes are our first disciples. I mean, it's easy for us to come to the church and look around and see people who we feel drawn to and called to. And many of us have actually been going through a process of learning more about discipleship and these disciple circle trainings have been going on Sunday nights, having a great time. But it's easy for us to show up at church and say, I really want to do something. I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to go to the ends of the earth and I want to make disciples. And I know John over there, John's got some major issues. He's having trouble with his marriage. I think I could really help. Or Bill's over here and I could really help bill bill's got a problem he's got some addictions that i know i could be a part of and that is very important we are all called to do that but meanwhile we're looking around oftentimes we're missing little billy sitting right here at our feet and billy's asking questions much like you and asks hey dad who's the holy spirit how does that work He's asking all these deep theological questions or just wondering uh, about life and general things. And we're not taking the time always to look at them and see that it is our job first to disciple them before we get to anybody else. Our Our kids are our first disciples. And I think it's time for us to start realizing. You know, it's funny. If you look through the amount of time that we all have to be able to do this, when people take their kids to church, a lot of times they expect the church is going to take care of their kids for them. And so, yeah, I'm discipling my kids. I get them to church, don't I? You don't know what I go through every morning to get my kid to church. That's enough. That's about all I got time for. But and they get here, and we've got about, the truth is, on average, the church is able, with our children, to take about 40 hours per year. We only get 40 hours per year as a church body to be able. So when you bring them to class, or if they come to tag on a Wednesday night, or those different things, we get about 40 hours on average per year to be able to speak into them and help disciple them. But you, as parents, you have, on average, about 3,000 hours available to you per year that you can speak into their lives. Now, that sounds a little bit crazy, but after work and after all the things, and I know you're still busy, you still got a, a, a busy schedule, a lot of stuff that you've got to get done. But you have so much more time. And the way it works best is when we all come together and we disciple them together. But you are the ones to take the lead. And so there are a few things that we can draw quickly from Jesus and his relationship with his 12 disciples. And I'm going to roll through them really quick. Number one is that Jesus, he knew his disciples. Why? Because he spent the time with them. If we're going to make disciples, it takes time. We've got to take the time to be able to do it. And he knew them. He was close to them. There's this idea out there that says, well, you know, all you need is a little bit of quality time with your kids and they're going to be OK. And that is true. But in order to get the quality time, you've got to spend and invest the quantity of time to be able to get there. Why is that? Because you cannot dictate when the quantity time is going to show the quality time is going to show up. You don't know when it's going to come out. Because just because you sit across from your kids for five minutes after school and you have a conversation with them does not mean that it's going to be this great quality time that you'll have together. So you've got to find the ways to spend that quantity of time so you can get to the quality time where the real stuff of life comes out. That's why at our house, here's just by example, we like to do dates. I take my girls out one at a time. We try to do it at least once a week. And then have to be long, it doesn't take a long time, but it's consistent. And there's a quantity of time that is being built up. Sometimes we put our kids in bed, and then we go, Maria and I will go, and we'll go into the room, and we'll grab one of them, and we'll bring them out for an extra 20 or 30 minutes just to stay up and drink hot cocoa and talk and just be together. And in those moments, it is amazing the kinds of conversations that you could have with a six-year-old. Of course, it helps he's super intellectual and a lot smarter than me, but whatever, It's amazing what can happen when you do it. You've got to invest the time. The second thing we can look at with Jesus and his disciples that I think works for us too as parents is, of course, Jesus prayed for his disciples. I know that sounds so obvious, but he took the time in John 17, we find Jesus actually praying for the disciples, his disciples then and all of us today. And he's praying these prayers of, uh, of unities praying prayers of, uh, of um, <clears throat> sanctification he's praying that they would be one as he and the father are one he's praying for their protection he's praying for them as he's sending them into the world to be a light this is what we should be doing every day for our children i know you say brent that sounds so ridiculous but do we do it faithfully So at our house, we we do our very best. Of course, we pray for our kids in the mornings and in our own prayer times. We also pray with our kids, and we're teaching them to pray. Some of the stuff that we do that maybe you want to do if you're wondering, I I don't know how to do this with my kids. But we just make sure that at night as we get together and we pray together, that, and listen, it's a scene. I mean, it is a total scene. Have you got 3 pajamas or just kids in their underwear just laying all over the floor. There's legs flying everywhere, and people are screaming and yelling in the middle of all of that. We're having great times with Jesus. Now, there are times where we may bring them in and say, hey, tonight we're all going to just sit because one of the things we do with Jesus is we, are, we stand in awe of him and we revere him and we respect him. We serve him and worship him. And so we'll have everybody sit quietly. We'll do other things. We'll say, hey, what do you want to pray for tonight? We'll have each of them in turn go around and pray. We might say, let's all go say one thing that we're thankful for. And let's say, Jesus, thank you for my, or I love you because they're learning worship, they're learning prayer, they're learning these things, they're learning even how to hear the voice of God. It's so important that we take the time to do that because they are our first disciples. Third thing, Jesus was on a mission with his disciples, and we are on a mission with our families. We are on a mission to serve Jesus. I am called to be a local church pastor. And so my family, they do that with me and have done so since the beginning of my little family. And so we do that together and they know that it's part of it. Listen, back in the day, when we started and, and launched the church, my kids, if for those of you who may not have been around then, we started in the AMC theater in Barton Creek Square. And so I remember those days, man, they were such good and exciting and wonderful, but also really difficult days. Because we would get up around 5 a.m. in our little apartment and get our kids together, and they were 4, 3, and 1 at this time. And so we'd get them together, and we'd take them. We'd have to get them down the stairs. It's dark outside. And we'd take them and bring them to the theater at 7 a.m., and we would start setting up for church. And my three little kids were there. And was it easy? No. It was so difficult. But would I change it today if I could do it again? No. Because we did it together, we were on a mission. And my kids know this is what we do. We serve Jesus by serving his people. That's what we do. And all of our family is engaged in doing it. They were on a mission together. And so find a way. Find a way to serve. Find a way with your kids to serve. Join Team One. Get out at Love Austin. Go over to your neighbors and do some yard work for them. And take your kids along with you. Make them a part of your mission with Jesus. It's not easy. It's not easy when they're little. It's not easy when they get older. But before we look elsewhere, for some of the struggles that we have as our kids get older, because it, it, there are struggles that ensue, but before we look elsewhere, it's always really good for us as parents to take a quick look at ourselves, to make sure that we're following Jesus to make sure that we're doing the things that we could and should be doing. And so I have a small list of questions that you may want to write down and you may want to ask yourselves. And these come out of some of my experiences through the years with families, with teenagers. And it might just be a quick checklist for you. I think one of the first questions you can ask is, am I building a strong foundation for my kids by modeling a strong marriage? because one of the greatest and best things you can do for your kids is to make sure that you are doing just that modeling mom and dad together tight a foundation of love and security that they can be launched from that you love jesus and you love one another i know immediately the question arises okay well great So now what do I do? Because we've had a divorce, and so now life is challenging and life is difficult. So does that mean it's over? No, not a chance. This is what Jesus does. He gives second chances. He provides a way through it. He helps us. That's why there's a community here to help. In fact, just after the first service, we prayed with a lady who had experienced a divorce, and she was worried about her kids. And so she said, I don't know what to do. But you gotta realize that there are people here, there are men here who can help support you in the absence. And don't neglect the idea of your heavenly father being there for those kids. Look, this guy that I'm talking about, this is me. Frankly, this is me. I mean, my family went through a divorce when I was about eight years old, and so I spent a lot of time with my mother. I kinda went back and forth, but I spent a lot of time with mom, And I had men within the church that we were going to. And they would often take me under their wing. they'd spend time with me. And they would talk to me about the Bible. And they would help me through. Now, of course, I still had a good relationship with my father. But he lived in another state at that time. And so it wasn't just as close. And so because of this church body, and because of these men, and because of God providing them... I was able to make it. Now, I don't know if you can call me a success or not, but I can tell you this. I'm here. I love Jesus. I'm growing my family to serve him, and so far, things are going okay. And that's not because I'm awesome, because I've got issues, and if you know me, you know it. (laughs) They're pretty glaring, but I've made it because of Jesus. Second question you can ask am I parenting by convenience? Am I parenting by convenience or am I, am I being intentional with my relationship with my kids? Parenting by convenience might be something like this. I hate to use this illustration because it really was hard when I saw it, but there was a, I was at Starbucks and, uh, I was sitting there and a, a, a mom came in, she had a, a son who was probably about six years old and she brought him in and uh, he, had, he was wrapped in a blanket, he was about six, five, probably five or six, he was a big kid, probably five or six, and brought him in, wrapped in a blanket and he was in his PJs and he had an iPad, a big iPad sitting in his lap and humongous Beats, Dr. Dre Beats, those are headphones, and, and for those of you who don't know, he had massive headphones on and he just looked down at his iPad being carried by his mother and she carried him in and she set him down on a chair and she went to get him his hot chocolate and get him all of his other stuff and to bring it to him. And then she sat down by him and she started to scroll through her phone while he sipped on his hot chocolate in his blanket, his iPad and his headphones. And then when they were done, she got up and she carried him on out. Now, this boy had no issues with his body. I could tell that he was functioning just fine. He was a healthy boy in body. But I'll tell you what, his soul is not going to end up healthy if that continues. She was parenting by convenience. She was saying, look, I got stuff I got to do. I got stuff I need to do. And so let me get my best babysitter. And here you go. Look, I'm guilty of it, too. So, uh, but there was a day, you know, when these didn't exist and have really cool apps. Yeah, but I I, I use them for uh, for educational apps. Okay. (laughs) Do your kids use them for educational apps? (laughs) Because the second I leave my kids, they're going A, B, C. Okay, close that one and open this one because it's a lot more fun. My goal is not to be harsh, but I want you to ask yourself the question, am I parenting by convenience because I got my stuff to do? Or am I being intentional about the time that I'm spending with my children? How about this? Number three, am I showing honor and respect to my children and teenagers? Am I showing respect to my children and my teenagers? Now, this is an interesting one because... uh, I know oftentimes what happens is you've already had a road that you've been traveling with teenagers, with your kids. And so, and you guys have had a road that you've been traveling with your parents. And so what happens is you say, well, you don't know the way they've been treating me. They have not been treating me well. They don't show me honor. They don't show me respect. And so they're going to get what they give me. Okay, But, but, but here's the issue. The question I think we have to stop as parents and ask is, but but did you early on, did you model respect and honor for them first? Did they get to see it in you? Did you show them what it was like? Look, I can tell you from all those years of student ministry that I've had thus far that it didn't matter what kind of kid it was, it didn't matter how big, how brutal, what kind of a history or past he had had, but every kid that I ran across, regardless of how dark, how dreary, how miserable his existence seemed to be or how angry he was or how rebellious he was, how much he didn't want to talk to his parents, when I would approach him and say, Hey, man, how are you? And I would show him honor and respect first. They would always respond back to me. Always. Now, I know it's different with moms and dads. I get that. I understand that's true. But the fact still remains. The truth is still there. We are the ones to model first. We are the ones who model it first, and then they learn it, and they're able to respond in kind. Show them honor and respect first, and they will learn to show it back. Just ask yourself that question, and continually ask yourself that question, even sometimes when they may not deserve it. And for all of you guys, look, just do it. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment that we have that has a promise, that you may enjoy a long life and that things may go well with you. And I know in some cases, families fall apart, and things are difficult, and it gets really hard, and you may not even have parents around, or you may have parents that you don't know. You may have parents that are gone, maybe parents that you've never met, and you don't have a single kind thing to say. Sometimes being honorable about parents is just being quiet, not saying too much honor and respect them if you'll do it and if you'll do it listen things can dramatically improve at home how about this number four am i am i choosing the right hills to die on am i choosing the right hills to die on this is a good question to ask often because oftentimes as parents we get a little lost in the journey don't we I don't know about you, but already I do. Even my kids are so little a lot of times. And I've watched through the years parents choose the wrong things. So the kid starts dressing differently because he wants to be unique and original, just like everybody else who's wearing the same thing, but whatever. Whatever. He wants to be unique and original, so he goes through a different style. I mean, I've watched kids just go from from one Wednesday to the next. They show up at church. One day they're wearing this, and the next Wednesday they're wearing something completely different. And I don't even recognize them. Their hair is different. It's a different color. Their clothes are all different. And I'm, I, don't even, I I walk by them and don't even know who they are. And parents get frustrated say, I don't know what's going on with my kids. I don't know what's going on. I'm worried. I'm nervous. I mean, he changes clothes and things. He looks so strange. And I'm so, and so I just told him, you will not wear that in my house. And I'm not sure that's the right battle, the right hill to die on. A dress that, that I can just about guarantee you. Shh, don't listen. I could just about guarantee you that the style is going to change in about three months. And they're going to wear that then. And so it'll just be a quick phase they'll go through. The hills that you want to choose to die on shh, shh, is, is the ones that have to deal with how they serve God, with uh, their own personal safety, <laughs> with things like that. It's not music. It's not, uh, it's not movies. It's not media. It's not. Yes, you've got to make good choices. Yes, you need to have some boundaries. All those things are true, but those are not the ones to die on right now. Die on the ones that really matter. Fight for those. Go for those. Relationship with Jesus. Safety, life, modesty, purity, those kinds of things. Those are important. And then uh, lastly, Am I looking for ways to help my children learn independence? Am I looking for ways to help my children learn independence? Because you do realize, right, that this really is kind of the, the, the root. It's a big part of the issue that you deal with at home. As they're fighting to gain their own independence as they're growing up. And they look at you, and they see you as a picture. And they don't think this a lot of times. You know, this is part of the issue. They say that teenagers, you guys really should plug your ears right now. That they say that, uh, you know, this, this frontal lobe, this, this front part of the brain is not fully developed. There's lots of research right now that's saying this, that say it doesn't fully develop to your, into your 20s. And so when you look at your teenager and say, what is wrong with you? Well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now wait a minute, now wait a minute. Here's something you have to do. You do not get to use that against them, and you don't get to use that as an excuse against them.: Well, guys, I don't know. I just <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> It's not fair. Don't use any of this information against one another. Use it to help and serve one another. But they're trying to gain independence. So they look at you and, and they see you as someone who uh, represents dependence. And so it may not be so much that they're just outright rebellious. I never went through a major rebellious phase, but there were still plenty of moments in my life where I did not want my parents around. I wasn't interested in what they had to say. Why? Because I just wanted to become a man. I wanted to grow up, and I just somehow saw them as someone who represented dependence. I have to depend on them. And by the way, it is a good thing while you have them at home and you're living at home for you to to depend on them because they are full of great wisdom and great insight and they can really help you. I know you don't think it's true, but I promise you, you're gonna get into your 20s and you're gonna look back and you're gonna go, oh, it's because your brain developed. Oh, they were right. I swear it will happen to you. And so in this struggle, it may not be. They're just outright rebellious. Just remember to think about them and processing through that and seeing you in that way and help them to learn. Help them by widening the boundaries for them. This is one of the things that I've seen over and over and over and over and over again, where parents have had a difficulty in widening the boundaries because of fear, because of their anxiety, because of how nervous they were for the future. And so they would either just stay too tight and never move and say, this is the way it will be in my house, mister, and as long as you're under my roof. (laughs) We've all heard that line, and many of us have said it. As long as you're under my roof, it's going to be just like this. Now, that does not change. That is actually true. But it needs to go like this. As long as you're under my roof, you're going to live like this. And then you're going to have these new boundaries that we're going to reset. And then you're going to have these boundaries that we're going to reset. And then as you're faithful and honorable and respectful and obedient, we're going to have more boundaries that we set. And you'll be able to have more freedoms. Listen to me. You guys want freedom? If you want to be freedom and independent, here's the thing that you should do. You can actually be an advocate for your own independence. And the way that you do that is by being obedient to the boundaries they set. If you can be obedient there, then they'll give you more. It's as you go further and further and try to, you, it's so funny. The opposite thing happens. I want to be independent, and so I'm going to break the rules. Okay. Now everything goes back in. It works opposite. You want freedom and independence? Obey them, and they're going to start to let you. They'll start to trust you. It's pretty incredible. I guess it's kind of like the kingdom of God, isn't it? It seems like it works upside down sometimes. If you want to be last, if you want to be first, you gotta be last. I'm looking for ways to help my children learn independence. I'm gonna wrap up. As I do, I wanna just present you with this one final idea and you guys can come back Proverbs 4, 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows everything for life. Another another verse, it says, uh, a translation says, above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And as your teenager starts to and continues to look for and gain that independence. There will be moments where they will start to look elsewhere and find their interests, find their life, find their desires leaning into other things and being directed to other things. And I want to encourage you with kind of the the last piece That really has been, so far for me, one of the greatest things that I've been coached and mentored on. And I watched it over and over and over again through the years. And it was a simple idea that you as parents can use. And I call it kind of a primer. A primer for discipling your kids. Because it's something you will do again and again and again. And it's just two simple words. Lean in. Just lean in. heart is so important, and the person who is closest to that heart can speak so much into that heart. And of course, at the end of the day, who do we want to hold their heart the most? We want Jesus to hold it the most, but we are the ones to help them find Him and to get to Him. And so it's important that you hold their hearts relationally. I say lean in, I don't mean you pointing the finger and saying, hey, you need to do this and you need to do that. I'm not talking about leaning on them. I'm just saying lean into them. Lean into their interests. Lean into the things that they love, even if you don't love them. Find the time to invest. Lean in. And as you lean into them, there will come a moment And it may take time. It may take a long time. But there will come a moment where it'll open up as you invest in that relationship together. And their hearts will open to you. And you've got to walk through. You've got to recognize it. And you've got to walk through when it happens because it'll shut down again. And you don't know when it's going to open again. So you've got to walk through it. You start to have the real conversations about the real stuff of life. It happens for us with Aurora. She's only seven, but it's at night times. She kind of opens up to us. and We're able to kind of lean in. If we, if I feel like Aurora is, is just getting interested in so many other things and not really listening as much to Maria and I, I know that I can take her out for a little bike ride. We just go and we just, we just ride for a while. And after the small talk dies out, the real stuff of life comes out. And we really get to talk even with a little seven-year-old, same thing is true with teenagers. Same thing is true beyond that. Just lean in and keep leaning in. And I know in some ways it seems so difficult because you feel like I've been leaning in been leaning in, it may need to be that you may need to just lean out for just a moment and just give a little bit of space but don't ever stop just lean in again find the thing they're passionate about and be a part of that with them continually lean in would you close your eyes you know this is what Jesus does for us Jesus leaned in what it means when the scripture says that while we are still sinners that christ died for us he leaned in through the cross he leaned in through his sacrifice he leaned in from before the foundations of the world he had already decided to lean in to us on the chance that we would say yes and lean back and surrender and he would have us This morning, for a lot of us in the room, I think that that's what's going on. He's been leaning in for so long, and you, just like a stubborn, rebellious prodigal, have decided, um, I don't, I don't want to respond. I don't want to respond. And today is your day to respond and accept that leaning in and open up your heart and surrender. And if that's you I want to invite you to pray this quick prayer with me I'm going to pray it and I'd like to ask you to, in your own words in your own way to pray a prayer like that and just lean into him and make a commitment to surrender your life to him today something like heavenly father I, I know that you've been coming after us I know that all over this room today that you've been trying to lean into different lives and different individuals. We thank you that you have leaned into all of us for all of eternity. But Father, today we pray that you would help us to be able to stop and to surrender ourselves to you. And God, we want to make the choice today to say yes. So God, today we choose to believe in your cross and your body broken for us and your blood shed for us and we decide today that we don't want to live the life that we've been living. We want to live a new life in you. So today we respond to your leaning in by just saying, we give up, we surrender. Would you forgive us and would you receive us and help us to serve you and live our lives for you? We don't know how to do it all, but we want to give our lives to you today. So help us. We choose you. and Father, I pray for everyone here today that is struggling and fighting. God, who's working through the difficult issues with children and parenting and questions and so much anxiety and so much uncertainty. And I pray that today that you would encourage them. Let them be encouraged by the amount of brokenness that we see in scripture, where you still use people to accomplish all of your purposes. Help us to remember that. And would you use us as parents to disciple our children and to help them grow in godliness? Father, would you heal the hurts? Would you let forgiveness flow? And would you cause all of the things that have been broken to be mended today? God, work in our families. Draw home the prodigals. Call in those who are lost and give wisdom to those who today great need of you and I thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen hey if if you prayed that prayer today and you decided to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus in any way, shape, or form, would you do something? Would you take out that connection card? Just do it right now, just take it out. There's a place on the back where you can just mark it and say, yes, I I made a commitment to Jesus today, or I recommitted my life to Jesus today, because we would love to help you with next steps. Or maybe in the prayer request, just say, I'm having some real troubles in my family, and I would love for you to pray for us this week. We would love to take the time to do that and to help you. Last thing we're going to do today is we're going to give our tithes and offerings. And you'll actually be able to take those connection cards and drop them in the offering as it goes by here. And so if you'll prepare those tithes and offerings, if you're a guest today, we don't in any way, shape or form expect you to give. You don't have to. But those of us who are here as One Chapel family members, we give because it's a part of our worship. It's one more way that we can say to Jesus, we give our lives in complete and total surrender. And this stuff that we make, the the wages that we make, it doesn't control us. You control us. And so we give a tenth of it back to you. It is yours. So that's what we're going to do here today. All right, so everybody, would you stand? Let's pray over that, and let's give those. Heavenly Father, we love you. It's because of our love for you and our decision to surrender to you that we give our tithes and offerings. Would you receive them now and use them for your glory in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. Let's give together.